0: Welcome to NodeUp. We're back. 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 (laughs) Woo! Uh, It's uh, Michael Rogers, Isaac Sluder, and D-Shaw, Daniel Shaw, on the line. Uh, Today we're going to talk about a bunch of random stuff and try to catch you up. Um, Very sorry for the delay and the little hiatus that we had. there's a bunch of back shows that we actually recorded uh, before the end of last year that will go out. Um, I believe on the same day as this one. So there's a peer-to-peer episode, a Node Copter episode, and a Node Dublin episode that you'll see. Wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. So they're going to all go. There's going to be like five episodes just dropping all at once here.
0: Yeah. What I, well, yeah. Maybe that's, maybe we'll, may, we'll we'll talk about that later. I mean, that's maybe. kind of that's kind of awesome. It is kind of awesome, but I feel like most people will miss the shows because there's like nobody can just handle four hours all at once. So uh, Mixmaster Craig, uh, Craig Muir, who uh, is amazing uh, and, like, basically puts together the show. I mean, he's the one who, like, actually records it, edits it, gets it up. He runs the whole website. Um, He is a victim of his own success. And... (laughs) And is getting a little busy, which is like very good for him. Um, but like hasn't really been able to keep up with the show um, as much as like all of the people that are allowed on the internet would like so uh, we're we're considering bringing the show to like one of these podcast networks that I keep seeing all over the place. Um, so if anybody out there knows uh, someone at one of these podcast networks has a contact or anything like that or or has a particular, um, like, favorite network they want to share with us, uh, go ahead and tell us about it, uh, and we'll consider that when we're looking for, for a new place. Um, because Craig is just kicking way too much ass lately. He um, Ever since he won node knockout individual contest uh, with, with his awesome uh, application called HashPay, um, he's been really busy and really successful lately. So uh, we need to give him enough time to go off and do other awesome stuff. Um, okay. I so think that- I think
1: uh, the the... Speaking of success and uh, things needing maintainers, we may as well get this out of the way, too. Uh, you, you want to give a plug for the Planet Node.js? Oh, yeah, yeah, is? yeah. So
0: what Planet Node.js is, is a site that I literally wrote in, in about a day or two. Um, and it's, it's this super crazy, weird, simple application. Um, I mean, it's, it's a planet, right? It's a planet feed. It, it goes out and gets everybody who writes about Node.js' uh, RSS feed, and then it shows all of their articles, right? Very simple. A lot of people actually subscribe to it. Good amount of people check it out. Um, I have been way too busy to maintain it. Um, there's been some crashes lately. There's been some. There's been some people asking to get added into it, and like I don't have a good process for getting that in. So, uh, Planet really needs some love and like ho- hopefully a new maintainer. Um, so ping me about that um, if you want to take over sort of maintaining the the Node.js Planet because I really don't have time anymore. Um, and you're it's a- uh,
1: just People, people can contact you by what? Uh, Fat Michael on Twitter.
0: Oh God, no! I, I would actually, I would do that. DM that guy. DM that guy. No, no, no. Uh, at Michael on Twitter. Um, yeah. Or you can ping me on GitHub or post an issue to the Planet. Or you know, there's like a million ways to, to get a hold. And I mean, the, the planet is like a super simple piece of code. I mean, there's no web framework. There's no anything. Like, what it really is is it's one single web page and one single RSS feed. And what it does is every, like, 10 or 15 minutes, it goes out and it gets all these planet feeds. And then it constructs in memory that page um, and, uh, and the RSS feed. And then it just keeps them in memory and serves them out of memory. It's, it's very, very simple. Um, so, so what would yeah. be involved? You,
2: you, you pick up hosting? and No, you pick it, up no it host things. it for free.
0: Okay, so uh, no, all just, you need to do
2: is just, to manage shit.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you've got to deal with people wanting to get their feed added, and deal with there. There's some crashes in it right now. Um, probably around like people's RSS feeds are not entirely reliable, and mm-hmm. uh, certain weird things are happening in those RSS feeds that are causing crashes uh, on the production server. So, so yeah, if you if you want to pick up maintaining that, um, you know, ping me. Um, whoever seems to be, you know, like the the. Best most reliable programmer will probably pick it up. If, um, it'll probably be Dominic Denicola since he seems to pick up everybody's project. Um, <laughs> we'll see. If, <laughs> we'll see if he wants this one too. Uh, I mean,
1: no, I'm, I'm trying to get him to take over npm actually. Oh man, I'm, that, I'm, that's I'm grooming, I'm serious? Yeah. that's a task. No, no I, I don't know. I mean, he's he, he. This guy like he's he's basically like maintaining JS Dom and whatever a bunch of other like.
2: And half no, no. fully at abandoned time, projects, and at the same time, like making sense
1: out of ES Discuss. <laughs> yeah. Like so. Uh, but I mean, wow. you know, he wrote uh, wrote the uh, uh, peer dependencies mm-hmm. feature, and has been uh, taking care of a lot of like bugs and and edge cases and stuff that always tend to come up in uh, uh, package management things.
0: Yeah, I mean, knowing a little bit about the npm code, I would imagine that adding peer dependencies would make you as familiar as you could be with that code base. Totally. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's fantastic. Cool. Well, yeah. Um, You know, he may not grab planet though. So if you're interested in maintaining planet, go ahead and get hold of us. Um. All right. So time to talk about our first sponsor and, and th- this, this really warms my heart to come back after, after like, you know, six weeks, uh, and have our, our first original sponsor, uh, to talk about Bizler, b-i-s-l-r dot uh, Man, they're they're rad. So they they've been sponsoring us from day one. They've been huge uh, supporters of the Node.js community. They've just opened up an office in San Francisco, and they still have uh, their office in Sydney. If you want to go hang out with kangaroos, me and me and uh, Isaac took a trip to Sydney and saw the kangaroos. And- they have real kangaroos there. We, we saw, saw kangaroos.
1: Real kangaroos. We saw actual yeah. kangaroos. we and didn't all- get to ride any. We didn't get to ride in their pouches. They were really so
0: small. I, was, I, I was felt really like I maybe by that. killed them if I would have tried to ride on them, even after losing a bunch of weight. Um. Yeah, I didn't.
1: I, I didn't see any. I, <laughs> I didn't see any of the giant ones that, that box with, uh, you know, Tom and Jerry.
0: None wore boxing gloves.
1: No, no boxing gloves to be seen at all. Unfortunately, they were they were boxing with each. They were slapping each other, so that was cool.
0: Mm-hmm. But um, if you if you want to work in Australia without moving to Australia, you could go to their San Francisco office, which I'm sure is just decked out in like things from the 1980s. And um, yeah, they probably play yeah like all day. Um, <laughs> boomerang mice. <laughs> boomerang mice. Yes, exactly. Uh, but. They, Future's looking great for these guys. They've got a product coming out. Um, I mean, just the fact that they're still around after a year means that they're in the haven't failed startup category, uh, which is, you know, one out of 10. So uh, really, check them out, BISLR.com. You can go to BISLR.com slash Node um, and see what their Node jobs and stuff are like. And you can also check them out on Twitter uh, at BISLR. Okay. All right. I guess, oh, okay, now I was prompted on the mailing list to talk about this, and I'm going to talk about it here instead of talking about it um, on my blog. I was going to write up a post, but um, so NodeConf videos. So I've released three videos from last year's NodeConf, um, and many of the other videos... Won't be released. Um, I may, I may not release anymore. There may be a couple that get released. I'm still going through them all. It takes a long time to watch all these videos and, and to figure it out. Um, but basically, if if a video didn't convey what was happening in that talk as well, if not better than seeing it live, uh, I'm not releasing it. And this is actually the, the exact same policy that TED sort of has. Is the TED TED conference like does not release every video. They specifically only release videos that. Um, did a really, like, really, really conveyed that. So a lot of videos uh, from TED that people really liked that went, like, uh, ones that have a lot of audience participation end up not getting released because they just don't work that well as videos. Um, And, I mean, especially for NodeConf, where when when NodeConf happened, a lot of these talks were new, but... Over the last like you know nine like six or seven months since NodeConf, um, peop- everybody who talked at NodeConf have talked about these same subjects at other conferences. Many of those videos are online. They've also talked about them in blog posts. They've also written articles and tutorials and all this kind of stuff. So um, a lot of the videos are not amazing teaching tools um, or amazing at conveying these ideas because a lot of these people have gone out and conveyed those ideas in much better ways. I mean, the stuff that Substack talked about, for instance, like he's written, you know, a whole guide to streams. It's amazing that you should totally check out and read. Uh, And And that's his, his, his talk, like seeing his talk
1: on a video, it's, I can, I can understand like, that's probably going to be a little bit shit, right? Like compared (laughs) to the experience of seeing it, of seeing it live and like, kind of feeling the excitement of, hey, he's like live coding something and showing how easy it is to do with streams. Like, you're not going to, that's not going to come through on a video very well.
0: I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. And and also, I mean, like the videos that we did release, um, most of those weren't, those weren't done again. I mean, uh, Rick Waldron... Uh, shifted a lot and actually did some other talks about hardware, but not about the stuff he talked about at NodeConf. He talked about a lot of new challenges that he took on. Um, and Tempvar, he he did as well, but like no no other video that was recorded about the talk that he gave at NodeConf really captured what was going on with his hardware um, because we had this really close-in camera. So th- those videos have been released, and Ryan's video was released because this was literally like the only conference that Ryan spoke at last year.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> well, and and also that's that I mean also that's a story that he's never. Told in public, oh. and probably will never
0: tell again. Right, right. I mean, I made him tell that story. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, so those talks are up, and those talks um, will continue to persist. Right now, they're they're just available in HTML5 video on twenty twelve. dot com. But uh, Chris Williams is putting together like an archive of all the videos from all of the JavaScript conferences, and they'll they'll get transcoded and put up there as well. And uh, we'll we'll make sure that those are more distributed than they are now. And I'm still going through the. The other videos, I have. I'm basically looking at the wide shot, the whole thing for a lot of these these other talks, and then deciding if we want to edit them down or not. Um, and some of them may may happen, and some may not. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the idea is that like I'm actually using a lot of the same logic that I use for the videos that, that have been going up um, on my my new blog site, whatever uh, futurealoof.com. Michaelrogers.com became futurealoof.com uh, over the break that we had here, and I started. What does reading- that mean? so uh, it's just mine it's it's a it's a thing it's uh, <laughs> it's a dot a com domain that I could get that sounded cool um that is nice. much more spellable than my first name uh yeah. <laughs> <and> <laughs> yeah. but um i I started recording these video interviews with people uh that are you know between like ten and 60 minutes long uh, and then I started going through and finding the, the, the answers to questions that seemed really interesting and, and doing a little bit of creative editing but the, the idea with those videos was like do something small that people can watch really casually and can kind of spread around the internet really well um, and, but I don't release every answer to every question I don't release the whole videos Like I, I just release the ones that seem to like have an impact and are really interesting to me um, and that's the same thing that I'm doing with the NoCom videos from last year
2: is there, so I really love the, you know, the, the like, five-minute-ish format. Um, is there, uh, like, a clips version of uh, Node.com videos where you, or is it just too much work to, like, pull out, you know, you know five minutes of, of wow? Um, maybe, 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 the you know, maybe the, the entire uh, talk doesn't, doesn't really convey, but, like,
0: if you pulled out five minutes of highlights hello um so i i've 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 considered that i mean we we released a montage video that was like a really sort of like Nice sort of cultural experience. Or no, no, no. Have we not released that? Maybe we haven't don't released think that. I so. no, no, it's not there. Oh, okay. All right. Um, we'll we'll get that up for sure. So there'll be like a montage video of like what it was like to kind of be at NodeConf. Um, and then uh, we'll and and I'll definitely release some other clips if I can if I can pull them out. The problem is that I mean, remember the format for NodeConf last year was these really condensed twenty minute talks that led into each other. So one is that some talks don't entirely make sense unless you watch the talk before them before they happen. And totally. two, they're they're cramming so much information. In such a small amount of time um, that some of, some of the talks really can't be cut up and edited up. Um, but you know, like if I have if I can find um, some video of streamer die playing, um, mm, yeah, I will do that. I will probably release embarrassing karaoke videos of people that we recorded. Um, stuff like yeah. that will go up. Nice. Um, but yeah, yeah. And uh, actually, the the other videos that I've been doing, the little interview ones uh, for my blog. Um those will uh I, I just started a a new way to do those as well uh a few things happen like I realized that uh while a video actually for some reason a video clip makes its way around the internet a lot better than an audio clip, even if the video doesn't matter and for these videos, like the video doesn't really matter that much um and the audio <laughs> no, there's
1: <doesn't> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird sometimes it's like like oh, a random like wall in Substack's house
0: yeah you know? yeah and, and so <laughs> So what i decided, but it, but it
1: does you do get a, a better feel for like the the humanity of the person for some reason I mm-hmm. think it's just because we're yeah. you know primates and and when you see a face it's a whole different thing
0: yeah sure. totally um and and I think um what what I decided to do was like since the video doesn't matter and the audio really matters i've i've gone out of my way to make the audio a lot better. The audio was really shitty with that other camera. So I have a new camera with a new kind of audio setup. Um, and the second thing was that since the video doesn't matter, I can kind of go crazy with it and kind of style it in a really weird way. And it doesn't need to be clear or anything like that. So um, I actually recorded Max Ogden's the other day in a park. Um, nice using uh, a pinhole camera, so there's a pinhole, <laughs> there's a pinhole lens,
2: <laughs> so that there's, there's literally, gone inter- totally player. hipster now, oh
0: my god. <laughs> no, no, well, so this is a crazy <laughs> thing, right, uh, uh, so Micro Four Thirds cameras are mirrorless, and because, so because they're mirrorless digital cameras, you can do pinhole photography with them, if you get this, like, crazy lens, this really, like, not even, a lens is, is not the right word for it, because there's no glass, it's just like a piece of plastic with a pinhole in it, um. And uh, the video looks weird and kind of crazy, but uh, also like it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> I can't wait to see that.: Yeah, yeah, th- those will be fun. Um, so yeah, there's a few going up in the old style, and then um, I'm starting to record some new ones, so those will keep going up. Fun: Yeah, this has been really good.: Yeah, really This has been fun to do as well. Um, okay, so let's talk about Nodeconf 2013.
1: Yeah, how's this, how's this going to be different? What's the, what's the format going to be like?: Oh and God, when can I get the videos.:
0: Oh man so. <laughs> This this is going to be okay, so this is even more work than last year, which is crazy cuz last year was more work than any conference ever, but um so this year uh we're we're doing it at Walker Creek Ranch. There's just no better place to kind of build community and to have like a really good time with your your peers and and people that you've looked up to than Walker Creek. It really like I, I don't know. I think that most people would not be able to t- have like a conversation with Isaac uh at at a conference, even even like NodeConf last year, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, sure. you know, like people like Isaac against Substack, like pe- people that you know you look up to on the internet, and then you see at these places, it's not like an environment that really encourages you enough to to talk to them. Walker Creek is totally different. Walker Creek, you know, you're out in the woods, you can talk to anybody, it's very relaxed. Um, people bring their wives and their kids, and it's just awesome. So we're doing it at Walker Creek, but it's nothing like summer camp. Um, we're gonna have far more people this time. We're using the entire facility. Like, we're using the bunk beds. We're using all of the camping space. We're using the semi-private space. So, your ticket comes with three nights stay, three meals a day, plus snacks and stuff, plus parties at night, plus beer and beverages throughout the entire day. Um, and... Uh, the, the, the content format is very new and different. What we're doing this time is that uh, we're going to use this algorithm that basically jumbles people up into groups of about 40 people, probably. Um, and you'll go to a session that'll be about an hour long. And, and then you'll go to another session, another one, and, and you'll know which one you're supposed to be at. So eventually every person will be in every session, but you won't be next to the same person for the entire time. Nice. And uh, so what'll happen is that you'll eventually go through every one of these sessions. And what the sessions are is they're, they're a mix of kind of talking, speaking, um, and also a lot of hands-on stuff. Like it's like, here, a, like,
1: a, like a class. Yeah, I mean,
0: yeah, almost. I mean, like, here, here is literally, like, some code and an assignment and do this thing in the next 20 minutes. And there are enough people there that if you have questions or you hit hurdles, you can ask them and, and you can make it past it. So not only will you be, like, sort of, like, people will be talking at you and learning things, you'll actually have enough time to... Really reduce the any of the mental barriers that you had to be able to do it yourself, uh, yes. and you'll walk out of that feeling much more enabled. So, so the idea is that you know last year we exposed people to a lot of new ideas, but when they left, they they didn't necessarily feel enabled to use them. And so the idea this year is that not only will we tell you about all these new cool things that you really want to know about, uh, but we'll also like really enable you to to use them uh, and to feel comfortable with them. So, a big one is streams. Like there will be a streams session it's it's the most asked for session um, in the uh, the questionnaire also if you want to have some some impact on the <clears throat> on the content this year go ahead uh, go to nodeconf.com and there's a link in there to a questionnaire that you can fill out and that that's really helped us sort of shape the content um, another big one that people asked about a ton were domains and so there will be a, a session just on domains um, who's,
1: uh, do, you, do you know who's going to be running that uh
0: yes but I'd rather not say uh, okay.
1: so I think I think I know who I think I know who you
0: yeah, or having running also, it, but uh, so there's also more than one person in each session. Like, so th- this right. is the thing about about the content. So there there are eight there are eight of these sessions in total, and. Um, we're we're doing we're sort of managing the project and the content right now on GitHub, and um, we have these GitHub issues open, and everyone is sort of collaborating and adding ideas to these sessions. Even people that are running other sessions or just staffing or whatever. Um, and then in each of these sessions, there will be between like you know one and four people that answer your questions. And all of the people that are in that room had something to do with creating the content. Um, and we'll, I think we'll also end up um, doing some some of the sessions and going over the material for all the sessions together right before the conference starts and iterating on it then as well. So, I mean, it's it's like you know we we have a list up of what I'm calling camp counselors. Many of those people are running content, speaking, whatever. I mean, you can see the list up right now. You know, Isaac is on there, Substack is on there, Max is on there. Like, um, and uh, those those people will. Be there and will be helping out and, and staffing the conference um, and they everybody had a hand in creating the content everybody will have a hand in delivering it and one of the reasons why i 'm trying to break down this this like you know speaker concept is that um, people are putting in way more work than they would have at a conference that they spoke. I mean, they're delivering the same session eight times in a row. Uh, they don't get to attend the conference. They don't get to see the other talks. Like, they're really putting in a lot of work. Um, and, and anybody who's not in running a session is running around the camp making sure that the beer is full and that other things are happening. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, this is, this is a really big group effort and everybody's putting in a lot of work to make this really, really awesome.
1: Yeah, I, I mean it's it's interesting. I, I'm I am kind of on the one hand like very hopeful, and I'm sure that everybody's going to make it really work. But I, I sort of wonder how this is going to, like, how people are going to walk away from it. Are they going to feel like like they missed out because they didn't have the boring, stupid conference experience, or you know if it'll actually work, and and what <laughs> kind of things we'll learn from it? Because I mean, NodeConf 2012, right, was was pretty amazing, but. Uh, and and the things that we kind of walked away from it that like, the goal of that was to make people feel enabled about you know uh, uh, using crazy things in Node like doing hardware stuff. But what people what ended up actually happening was people walked away with this feeling of like, wow, that's so awesome that somebody else can do that. Exactly. You know what I mean? And exactly. I, I'm, I'm very curious about what the what the takeaways will be this time. You know, it's 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 always kind of fascinating to see like what the plan was and then what the effect was, and sometimes it's like unexpectedly good or good in a different way or not so good, so...
0: Yeah, and I think a Fair lot helpful. of things happen that we don't plan for, and um, mm-hmm. and and also, I mean, there there is a lot of time, like when you're not in these sessions, when you'll be hanging out with other people. I mean, not only are there parties every night, um, but you know, the day that you show up, um, we don't have anything special planned because it takes about a half a day for all the buses to get up there and everything. So that whole day when you get up there, you'll just be sort of like hanging out, eating, drinking with people. There's there'll be trips to go, you know, canoeing and swimming and nature hiking and stuff like that, and and there's a lot of other free time planned. Um, later in the conference as well. So you'll have a lot of that, you know, kind of hallway track time, except instead of being in a hallway, you'll be like outside in a beautiful area and it'll be sunny and awesome. Yep. There with, will be no cell coverage. There is no cell coverage, but there's actually internet up there now. Like they, yeah. they improved their internet, so. This kinda <laughs> it kind of sucks. I don't think that they've had, you know, 300 geeks descend on it uh, yet.
2: but right. We'll see, we'll see. Right. We might kill it yet. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, another consequence of this format, though, is that you, know, you can't do video really. Like, you know, this, it, this format really doesn't work for video, um, but we will be recording video and recording interviews with people and stuff, and what we plan to do is sort of like a, a mini sort of documentary. We'll see how long it is after we kind of edit it down, but the idea is that it, it'll sort of convey what it was like to be there and, and how the conference came about. Another really cool thing is that this GitHub project right now that we're, that we're using to, to organize all of the content and create it, we, we want to keep it, all of this under wraps for now um, because we want a lot of the, the stuff, this stuff to be a surprise um, and really be able to like, you know, um, you know I still want it to be an experience for people. I want people to show up and, and really be sort of blown away. Um, so it's not public now, but it will be when we're done. So I'll, I'll, I'll hit the public button on this repo and uh, right after the conference. And everybody can see sort of how we created it. Nice. Cool. Oh, and tickets are up now. So if you want a ticket, you can buy one right now.
2: So uh, one question for you, Michael. Uh, Will there be a summer camp
0: this year? No. No summer camp?
1: No. Uh, no, I mean, this NodeConf is basically like Summer Camp Plus uh, with way more people.
0: Yeah. yeah I mean so one of the problems that we have is that if we do a summer camp, too many people come, and so that makes the that makes the format network as well um i mean like the 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 format of summer camp for these unconferences is really breaks down once you go over a hundred people um so that's making it more difficult also. When we when we had a NodeConf and a summer camp, one of the things that happened was that the perception was that NodeConf was for you know anybody doing Node stuff and like a much broader audience, and NodeConf summer camp was like a sort of insider thing. Like if you weren't like super invested in Node, you wouldn't go, um, and that that wasn't great. Um, one of the reasons why that didn't work that well is that in order to Plan like the future of Node, and to figure out what where we go with Node, we need input from people that are not already building Node, right? <laughs> like, and and like, w- what's going to happen is like over time we would just continue to alienate those people more and more. And so, what what what'll end up happening is that I I, I really believe that Walker Creek Ranch is just magical, and what'll <laughs> happen is like during a lot of the time that is not scheduled for these sessions. You know, people like Isaac will be around and they'll have a lot of conversations with people. And a lot of these things will come up and there will be a lot of discussions. And, you know, if enough people are trying to get involved in the discussion, I may just say, hey, you know what, at, you know, 11 a.m. on this day, go over to this area and everybody will talk with Isaac about whatever's happening. And, And we'll try to get a good amount of, like, feedback and also moving stuff forward. So I want to accomplish a lot of the goals of summer camp at this event, but we won't have the same kind of format that we did before.
1: Yeah, I I definitely agree with you from the point of view of like you know, if summer camp, if summer camp is a high school reunion, right? Then it's not really all that useful. I mean, the point of summer camp is to get somebody who's not already like you know super insider and uh, and bring them into that circle, right? Right. Make them feel at home, right? Like they can have those conversations. Totally.
0: Oh okay so uh, another thing that I want to bring up so um, there there is a significant others track so we when we do these conferences we always encourage people to bring their their family but especially at Walker Creek Ranch we really encourage people to bring their you know wives, girlfriends, boyfriends, husbands uh, and children And so w- what will happen is that if you buy a ticket, for a particular ticket type in the email that you get for that ticket, you'll see two links, one to register <clears throat> adults and one to register children and both of those tickets are like under $100 depending on the ticket type. And we we actually lose money on those tickets because the food cost is much higher than that. Um, really the only reason that we charge any money for them at all is so that we retain those people. When we didn't charge money at all, um, people would get a ton of them and then a bunch of people wouldn't show up. So we really want people to actually come that they get those tickets. Um, so, yeah, yeah. And um, the tickets the tickets are up. The tickets are pretty well-priced. I mean, right now, uh, semi-private's sold out, but camp-out tickets are $690 and bunk-ups are 800 And that's three days stay is included. Transit up to the camp is included. All of your meals and everything for those three days is included. So this is actually a lot cheaper than most conferences when you factor in, like, what you would have had to do for your hotel and everything. And that's it. Where do you, where do you go to
2: get the uh the SO
0: uh tickets? So, when you buy a ticket, you'll get a link Got in it. your email in your confirmation email. Um there'll be in the confirmation email there'll be two links actually to tickets for the SO track. One for adults and one for children. Um you're registered as staff, so uh, I have a special ticket for you.
2: No, though. unfortunately, I, uh I, I I my my family will be in Italy over that period, so uh, we would totally all come. But uh, they will not be here for for me to bring them. We're all going to JSConf. But so if you're going to JSConf, you will get the full D Shaw and family plus
0: experience. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Also, I mean, like if you're worried about bringing your kids or family, or that you'll be the only one, I think we already have like four kids and like eight. Adults registered in the SO track, so you won't be the only one.
2: <laughs> and yeah, absolutely. It's it's a, a fantastic environment for for kids. It's it's a summer camp, so uh, it's usually for children.
0: Actually, we're we're the exception <laughs> being there as adults.
2: But yeah, if if you have any questions about children, uh, you know, hit up NodeConf. Uh, we've we've answered it a few times. Uh, you know, you can hit me up directly. Uh, I can share my experience. But uh, definitely, definitely do it. You should.
0: Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so that's that's the NodeConf experience, big thing. Um, you know what? Let's 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 actually do our other sponsor now. Okay. So, all right, uh, Nearform, great guys, run by Kean O'Maiden, who run who ran No Dublin. Um, they're an awesome consulting company in Ireland. And they're really, really invested in the Node.js community, have done a ton to promote Node in Ireland. I mean, I think that if you're in Ireland, you have definitely, you know, interacted with one of their people related to Node.js for sure. If you're in um,
1: Ireland there's, and you're into Node, there's a better chance that you know near from than that you are listening to this podcast. Like <laughs> right? <laughs> um,
0: yeah, they. Have, I mean, they have a dedicated Node development team of 15 engineers. Um, you know, and uh, they offer training. They've developed uh, 12 two-hour classes uh, on Node and, and a bunch of accompanying tutorials. So, if you want to have a training at your company or something, they have a ton of great materials for that. All the coursework was designed by Richard Roger, um, who teaches academic courses on Node.js at the master's level in the Waterford Institute of Technology, um, which at, it, I believe is the MIT of Ireland. Um, and I just made that up, but it could be true. Um, it's
1: like MIT, but upside down.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> and uh, I mean like as a consulting company they have some they have some great customers uh including you know Fortune 500 companies and PLCs and banks and startups. They have a really diverse sort of portfolio. So you can check them out at nearform.com or uh, just send an email to hello at nearform.com. <coughs> um yeah, so they do training, consulting, prototypes and services. Definitely, definitely get a hold of them if you're interested in any of that. And you're I mean they they do stuff they're, they're not just working with Irish clients, they're working with American clients and clients all over Europe as well. So if you need some, some work, you should definitely get a hold of them. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, so okay. Let's, let's talk hey, about hey, note itself. Hey, Isaac. Isaac, yeah. I, you promised me a release, like a release ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: gosh. You know what they say about how you can only choose two of like uh, features, schedule, and quality? We keep picking features and <laughs> and so and then we also want schedule or then we also want quality and so the schedule tends to slip um, you know it sucks but uh, basically there's the holdup now for for node 0.10 the, the plan was to get it out by the end of last year and then that didn't happen um, and then the plan was to get it out by the end of January and that almost happened except that we have some like pretty significant performance regressions in a few places. Um, and basically it's going to be out once we're done fixing those things. Um, we, we have this opinion in node that, uh, programs that are fast are broken, or sorry, programs that are slow are broken, like slowness is a bug and it's a, a release blocking bug. We, we will not release something that's slower than the last version. Um, so that means that we have a pretty significant thing to, to fix. Um. You know, we can't just say like, well, you know, we're fast enough. We can we can drop down five or ten percent of our requests per second. Like, that's actually not allowed in Node. Um, if you want to make your program slower using Node, you know, that's your prerogative. You can you can go into a while loop for twenty minutes. I don't give a shit. But Node itself, like the default way it works, needs to be fast by default. That's sort of the purpose of Node. So um, we've got some performance regressions in in the current master over um, compared to 0.8. And this has highlighted a a really interesting thing about our, our development process between 0.6 and 0.8. We got really, really good at making sure that all tests pass all the time. Um, If a, if a commit lands on the master or stable branch and it breaks one of the tests on any of our supported operating systems, like we, we call that an emergency. We we go through and we fix it as soon as possible. Um, And if, However, we have sort of slipped, and if, if you've ever run, if you've ever tried to like sit down with the Node source code and make, um, uh, like, figure out what the benchmarks are, or run some benchmarks, like, you kind of really need to know what you're doing, you know. And and creating benchmarks is really tricky, and then running them is like, they all kind of have like various different outputs, so you had to kind of know what they were doing, and like, for some of them, a small number was better, and for other ones, a big number was better. So that's you know the the long and short of it is we we spent a lot of time and attention making sure that our tests were all passing and were, that we had correct behavior but in the meantime with a lot of these features that we were adding in 0.9 throughout the course of 0.9 we've been we've made a, a handful of mistakes that have made no slower in relatively small increments at each time but there was a bunch of them so it's it's a learning process I guess you could say but um it's one of those things where, like, you know, you, you wish you'd done it six months or a year or two years ago, but you didn't, and so now here we are. Um, because there was always something more important, or at least more urgent. And so, uh, I've been working. Actually, gotten a lot of help on this from uh, this guy Trevor Norris, who works at at Mozilla and who's been helping out a lot with the uh, Node performance stuff. Um, on getting a set of benchmarks that can be run in a a very continuous way. And so we're gonna have like a I'm actually working on building something that that could eventually get to like the um, you know if you've ever seen like the the chrome uh... benchmark dashboard or like firefox's are we fast yet site um, right. something like that for node zero dot for for just Node in general so that we can track when there is a you know when there's a performance regression at which commit it was on which benchmark and so on and and just make it very easy to run uh... run comparisons and also Another reason why our tests are so good is that it's very easy to add a test, right? You just create a little node program that either throws or doesn't. Yeah. Uh, and you put it in the right folder and then make test will run it and it's like super trivial, right? And so if anybody sends us a patch, we can always say like, uh, okay, looks good, add a test, here's how. And they'll just go do it and it's like super easy. Um, however, Doing that with benchmarks is a little bit trickier. First of all, benchmarks are just a little bit more complicated because it's very easy to do them wrong. And second of all, it's you know it's not a simple yes/no, right? Like it's a it's a number that could be higher or lower, and like depending on how you've done it right, like this much of a difference means actually this many more operations per second or whatever. So uh, we've been working on ways to kind of make that a little bit easier, so that hopefully making a benchmark if not as easy as making a test, will at least be almost as easy. And also a little script we can do to, you know, if, if somebody sends us a patch, we can, like, run the benchmarks with the patch and run the benchmarks without it and then compare how it, how it works, you know? And if it, if it makes things faster, then, it, then we'll accept it. If it makes them slower, then we won't. Um, so. Framework. Framework. Yeah, I don't like frameworks usually. Uh, I think the minute you start calling it a framework, it gets out of hand. Mm. Uh, and so it's kind well, of been this, pattern. Yeah, it's kind of been this balancing act between like, you know, how do we? What are the minimum features that we need in order to make this thing useful? Because that's that's part of the problem is like if you add too many features, right? Like the nice thing about Node's tests is that Yeah, you know, there are actually a bunch of features, but it's like, those are all written in Python because we stole uh, Chrome's test runner, or V8's test runner. But, uh, you know, writing actual tests is, there's not really any features to to be aware of. There's a couple of little utility functions on this, like, common.js object in the test folder. But apart from that, I mean, not much. So I've been trying to kind of Follow that model a little bit. Um, we had one one iteration that was uh, spun a little bit too far afield of, of like being a little too fancy, mm. and uh, you know, kind of dialed that. Like it sounded, uh, everything sounded like a good idea, but then we got there and we we're like, oh, uh, actually, this is kind of you need to know a lot of stuff to do this properly. And the the point is to. Uh, Make it so that you don't need to know as much stuff. So, um, yeah. So we have a. a I've I've got another iteration in, in process now, which is just using a very very simple like common dot like benchmark slash common And in that branch, if you if you run make bench, it like it runs the URL bench parser benchmarker it benchmarks. It runs some net piping benchmarks. It runs some HTTP benchmarks using the, the Apache bench program so and it's all relatively easy I, I hope that it'll be simple enough that somebody can kind of like look at one of the benchmark scripts and use that to write a different one if they have a new feature or something uh, or a new thing that they want to test it does produce a, a metric ton of output um, with like red and green things so like if if you run it you, you can give this uh, there's another script that you can give it to Different node binaries, and it will run them. And whichever one has the bigger number, it'll show like either red or green.
2: Is, is, are things still running
1: off of uh, Apache Bench? We run our HTTP benchmarks using Apache Bench, yeah, which is uh, arguably not the best uh, HTTP benchmarking system in the world, but it is one of the most widely deployed and widely used. So, you know, it's one of those things where being perfect is less. Uh, less important than being consistent or good, no, no. good enough. And Apache Bench is good enough. I mean, it's it's fine. There's a handful of gotchas with it, but uh, the biggest one is if you set it to use keep alive, so that you're actually testing your um, your HTTP performance rather than testing your connection setup speed of your operating system.
2: Yeah, we I, I've, I've been benchmarking stuff at Voxer, and you know we extensively use that, and it sucks.
1: You need dash k. You always need dash k. Otherwise, yeah. also, you also, if you don't use dash k, you need to set your ephemeral ports like so wildly high, mm. because mm-hmm. you'll, you'll run out of ports, and then Apache Bench will just sit there and wait until the operating system can assign a new port. And like, right if you're if you're testing against localhost, well, you're you're using two ports for every connection. You know, two ephemeral ports, one for the right. client, one for the server, and uh, yeah, you just run out right away. Um, and then you have to wait two minutes before you run it again because otherwise they'll you know they'll all be in this time wait state. Running with dash k, that's a lot of that stuff's not a problem. Of course, then you're not testing the full HTTP stack. You're just testing the uh, you're only testing the HTTP portion. You're not testing like the socket setup time. So right. um, it's a slightly different test, but like for our purposes, that's actually more what we care about because the socket setup time is not as relevant usually. Um, and that's like we've not really had any issues with that. Nobody complains about that aspect of our performance. So uh, got to get some TLS benchmarks in there and port more of our other stuff over to this little script and then also actually make stuff faster. So that's where things are more important, more more interesting, more exciting. Because writing a benchmark framework program thingy like sounds fun, but it's only fun if you're doing it badly. Like if you're dicking around with like features that you don't really need, or like, you know, writing a DSL for it. Like all those things are really like a fun way to spend a Saturday, but not all that useful. Um <laughs> the the actual work of doing it is is rather tedious if you're if you're doing it right. Um and then what's even less fun is like using it and making your program faster. So you know, because adding a new feature is ah, that's fun. That's creative, sexy, like cool stuff. Where you're like crafting the clay of code into like this fun, awesome shape. But like making it faster, sort of like uh, I don't know. It always feels to me like you're you're scrubbing a very small electronic appliance with a very very tiny toothbrush. You know, like getting like one little percentage point after another, which I guess can be satisfying in its own way. But anyway, so we moved uh, a couple of things. We've got this function in Node called make callback um, in in C++. And we moved that into JavaScript because we wanted to like add some stuff to it. And it's just really kind of tedious and annoying to do that kind of thing in C++. Turns out that was a bad idea. Most of the time, you actually get a better benefit, at least in my experience. You get a more performance benefit by having a function in JavaScript rather than in C++. Um we especially saw this with like the event emitter.emit function, which once upon a time existed in C. Um because if, if a function can be more optimized by the by V8's, you know magic stuff, then that's really good, right? Well, make callback is kind of this oddball function that like always takes slightly different types as its arguments and um is sort of like a, a glamorized um, function.apply and like does a very similar sort of sort of logic. So moving it to JavaScript lost us a, a fair amount of performance. Another thing that we did was we have this feature where now make call process. next tick runs immediately after each call into make callback. So every time we go from C++ into JavaScript, we check if there's any uh, next, next ticks that have been scheduled and then we run them all. And the way that that was being called and the way that it's interacting with uh, with domains made it so that that function would be basically like this function that we call literally every single time we enter JavaScript. Like very, very, very often we call this function. And V8 was getting in this state where it would notice how hot it was and inline it and then get called with the wrong arguments and have to de-optimize it. And so we had these like inlines and bailouts just going back and forth a lot. So that that ends up being a little uh, a little bit of a pain a little bit painful. So um, in the process of doing all this, I've I've, know, I've learned a lot about like the the V8 flags like trace opt trace deopt log code code comments all these things. So y- you can actually run Node if you run Node with uh, dash dash V8 dash options as an argument, then it will it'll print out all the different arguments that you can all the different options that you can pass to V8 through node. And a lot of these have to do with like tracing how the optimizing compiler is is messing around with your JavaScript. Um, And yeah, you you sort of learn right away. Like functions really you need to write your JavaScript as if it is a statically typed language if you want it to be very, very fast. Mm. Um, Functions need to always take the same number of number of arguments and they should always be the same type. Um, arrays of objects and arrays of strings tend to be way slower than arrays of uh, small numbers so like a, a small a small integer um, they call it a smi I don't remember what m stands for but uh, if you have an array of smis it can like optimize the every loving hell out of that but the minute you stick a string in that array like now it has to take this array of smis and like do this whole bailout thing with it um, which will also prevent your function from getting inlined another thing is that shorter functions get inlined and longer ones don't and this includes comments in the in the function body so like a lot of the a lot of the work of sort of like debugging some of the stuff has been uh moving a large function uh, like a large uh, function into smaller functions and moving code comments outside of the function body so you have this like big comment at the start of the function um and then a very very small function body so like it, it turns out that's actually it's faster to have a lot of little functions rather than one giant one and also early return like for some reason like early return it'll be like nope can't inline that um so there's a there's a handful of things that we've that we've learned and as it turns out eventmitter.emit is uh, one function that also you could imagine i mean that's like the the gate that many 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 things flow through and due to its length and its use of early returns, um, it's not inlined. And so there's some work to be done to to chop that guy up. Um, also array.splice, oh my goodness. If you have hot code, like array.splice is just the worst thing ever. And we were doing that in this next tick, in this process.next uh, function, so. So basically
2: everything that you do to kind of make
1: fancy variadic functions is bad. Yeah, you should write like stupid simple C style JavaScript with mm-hmm. very, very tiny functions that call each other. That's always with the same number of arguments, always with the same argument types. Um and don't get you're, fan- hurting, you're hurting my fancy abstractions. Yeah, yeah, no, for
2: sure.
1: <laughs> I mean the thing is though, right? Like this is this is all about trade-offs. Sure. If you if you go through your whole program optimizing everything as if everything is a hot code path, so that your whole program can be inlined, you're going to have the ugliest, most obnoxious bit of code in the world. Um, and your JavaScript's going to like be really not very expressive. Your APIs will be very sort of clunky, and and it'll be hard to hard to manipulate things, and just just kind of less fun to work with. Um, in my experience, a pretty good rule of thumb is that whatever you expose to the to the user of your API, should be should kind of do what you thought they were intending to do, like you know, taking variable number of arguments or, or whatever is all fine. But then once you get past that first layer, like the the exposed the functions, yeah, in the plumbing, it should be statically typed, like boring as right. JavaScript. Um, and you know, it's normal to see a lot of functions get like optimized and then deoptimized. It's not the end of the world. It's only really relevant if you have something that's very, very, very hot, like make callback in JavaScript in uh, in Node, where you know literally every time we pull data off the wire, we're calling this function. Every time we make a connection, every time we do open a file, read a file data, like every literally every single operation that Node does goes through this function. So, you know, a half a percent speed up there is a pretty big deal overall. So
2: your top, so you know, applying this to Node apps, uh, your top level kind of express setting up the plumbing for your entire app is completely irrelevant because it's only going to call, call it that one time. Optimizing that it would be batshit crazy. You know, make that a nice API.
1: Right, right. And, and um, you know, don't go too crazy with performance optimizations if they don't matter. Yeah. You know, I mean, I like, profile what you're doing before you... Before you go hunting for a thing to optimize, um, and especially don't go optimizing things if you don't have proof that it's worth doing. Like a lot of times that I find with with like the tips and tricks stuff, and I'm I'm as guilty of this as anybody. But like you know, you read a blog post about like oh you know small integers are better than doubles and so are better than floats, so you should use small integers, and then you're like go through and change all your code to not you know, <laughs> integers instead of real numbers, and like totally done that right. And and you know and what does it get you it gets you like well you were spending you were spending half a percent of your time dealing with floats and now you're spending 0.4% of your time dealing with integers like d- yeah you saved oh, okay you saved 20% of half a percent of a difference and so that's not a big deal um and so that's really what makes benchmarks tricky you know if you if you optimize some function that doesn't matter the optimization doesn't matter like by definition it can only be less so anyway, yeah, that's my little uh, request to to people to not get too carried away by by benchmarks. But we definitely have a problem right now in Node Core to, uh, that, that we need to solve. So when 0.10 comes out, it will be because it's faster than 0.8. And I'm, I'm very hopeful because we do have some like big, juicy targets to, to go after. Um, V8 got a lot faster. LibUV got a lot faster. So the fact that Node is slower, like we don't even actually have to fix everything all the way. We just got to get kind of close and let these other speed ups sort of get us over the finish line. Uh, and one one area where Node did get a little bit slower is with a lot of the changes to uh, implement Streams 2, which is working brilliantly now. Um, gotten a lot of really good feedback about the Streams 2 API. People are using it for, for real things. Um, the problem is that a lot of those changes broke a lot of these rules in places where you really shouldn't be breaking these rules. So, you know, that's, uh, that's mostly more on me than anybody else, but um, definitely sort of an indication of a, a, a the fact that we need better CI and better benchmarks. So what I would recommend is if you have a Node program or a Node app or a Node site, like probably not in production, not such a good idea, but... Nope in a little test or staging like try installing node 099 see how it goes Um, if something blows up like please post a bug for us because it's definitely something we want to fix Um, if you see massive performance degradations like that might be expected but if it's more than you know 10 to 50 percent request per second going away like okay if it's like serious like my site doesn't work anymore performance regressions yeah for sure let us know because that's probably something actually busted um but uh most node programs should just keep working even with the streams api changes um the big difference is that you don't need to do anything with like buffering streams so if you have uh if you have these things where like you pause your request and then you go talk to Redis and then you come back and now you wanna make sure you haven't missed a chunk of the body, like that doesn't happen. Pause works. Um, And in fact, you don't even have, like you won't even start getting data events until you add a data listener in 0.9. So you can, um, you know, you can just go talk to Redis and then when you come back add your data listener and then that's when data will start flowing. So uh, this is a big thing that people have always kind of been confused by and I'm very I am very happy that it works the way people expect now I I wish that it worked faster but we'll get there Um, so yeah try 0.9 make sure your programs don't blow up I'd recommend actually on your um, like if you use node and you do a bunch of like node modules and stuff just install 0.9 as your you know default node in your in your machine like you can always use nave or nvm or one of these other programs to switch to 0.8 if you need to do something but um, you know just kind of run run your tests and see how stuff goes and see if see what blows up because we want to know about it we want to make that not happen so uh my expectation is that 0.10 will be out by the end of february but you know Quality is what our blocker is right now, so it depends on when we get there. Um, of course, help is always much appreciated.
2: Is there is there any sort of a um, uh, transition document? So we, we had the, you know, what's the difference between 6 and 8 doc? Is, is there such a document um, out there with uh, uh, 8 to 10?
1: Yes, there is. Actually, if you go into the... Um, if you go into the node IRC channel, it's in the topic. Okay. So, right. uh, yeah, there's the API changes. There's, there's a few small changes for the streams API, which were just not things that we could avoid making, but um, we've tried to change the API as little as possible. There's a lot of additions, but there's not a lot of uh, semantic changes or you know, removal of things.
2: So, module developers shouldn't experience a lot of breaking unless they're like going and using new stuff?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, you might be depending on, some, I mean, you never know, you never know, like when you change sure. code, you break. but unless you're depending on something that was deprecated and now has been moved around or, or whatever, like, it should be pretty much okay. So, so far, the feedback has been mostly positive. Um, and a couple of cases where stuff has broken, it's been relatively easy to track down and fix, either in Node or in the in the program that was broken. Awesome. So, uh, are you ready to talk about
2: uh, you know Node eleven, twelve, or is, is that on the roadmap, or are you heads down?
1: I'm heads down, but I I think. Uh, I think I'm done with like any kind of serious feature changes at this point. By the time you get to near the end of, you know, near a stable release, and especially once you actually get it out the door, like, I don't know. I think I'm going to, like, pick one bug, and that's going to be 0.11, and then we're going to release 0.12 when that bug is fixed. Okay. <laughs> Let's just do one thing. Uh, <laughs> and-
0: so, so at this point, domains has been... You know, in the last release, and then it'll be in this release as well. Like, are there any changes or additions that we want to make? Domains? Have we gotten enough feedback on that, or are people just not using them enough yet to know what we'll need?
1: Um, actually, there is. There are a handful of new changes um, in 0.10 with respect to domains. So there's there's a few things that were kind of gotchas or just like weird edge cases that we didn't really consider, in 0.8. And like in particular, uh, around nesting domains, it got Kind of weird. Like there would be cases where um, where you the 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 nested domain stack would end up just growing and growing forever and like leaking memory. So basically, using nested domains in zero point eight is a little bit hazardous because when you throw an error, it doesn't clear out the old domain stack. However, there was I mean that's a semantic change, and so making that change in a uh, in a stable release is pretty hazardous but it is fixed in 0.9 and in 0.10 it'll be a much more organized. Also um, domains no longer use the process.on uncaught exception. They actually have their own like privileged place that they get called into when there's a fatal exception. So that makes things a little less um, a little less likely to have like weird side effects or collide with other non-domain using code.
0: Right, that makes sense. I mean, this
1: is all stuff that we have gotten from feedback. It's, they're probably going to stay as, um, it's It's not clear yet whether they're going to be made unstable or at least stay as experimental in 0.10, but they definitely will probably be stable before 1.0. So, um, you know, if they're not unstable in 0.10, they'll be unstable in 12 and then stable in um, 1.0. For so, the meantime, they're still kind of experimental and we're, we're getting... They're getting a little bit more traction. I mean, basically, people who were previously using um, process.on, uncaught exception, are now using domains. And those guys don't tend to be early adopters. Like, those guys tend to be people who are running an actual production site. And then, uh, you know, have have only once it landed in a stable branch, did they start going like, oh, okay, I should probably try and use this new thing. And so, you know, we didn't really start getting feedback on it until 0.8. And until people had actually switched over to 0.8, which is relatively recently. I mean, it takes time,
2: right? Yeah, at Voxer, we've, we've only, um, uh, what has it been, you know, weeks since we, we finally cut over to, you know, fully to, to
1: 0.8. Yeah, and the, I mean, that's normal and expected. So they, they may remain experimental for now. It just kind of depends on on how we feel about it in the next couple of weeks. There's a few more bug fixes that I would like to land in 0.9, but nothing um Nothing that changes how you would use domains, at least in the short term.
2: Cool. So, so you you've talked about um, you know one of the, the the gating things to getting to one one point zero as being you know needing to to spend more time in libuv. Uh, is there any thought of maybe having a full cycle of development that's just dedicated to libuv?
1: Um. Well you know, a handful of people who are, are a couple of the people who are working on the, the node core project are primarily working on Libby V, mm-hmm. uh, or spend a lot of their time there anyway. And, you know, I, I, think it's, I think it's definitely, uh, it's, it's getting closer to a 1.0 state. So, uh, as I've said in the past, I mean, node, node, the JavaScript is basically already there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Domains is still a little bit of an oddball. You know, it's still a little experimental, but it's it's kind of closing the gap very quickly. And uh, there's some changes I want to make in our HTTP library because it's just kind of like, uh, I don't know, it's just kind of a mess. But, um, yeah, I mean, libv is getting there quickly. Like I said, it's, it's faster in 0.10 than it was in 0.8. So, um and we have uh we've gotten off of Libev and libio, So everything is, you know, it's it's just LibUV all the way down to the OS. Um there's still some parts in there that are that are a little bit uh uncertain or unstable, but um and I think uh there's there's some call for a, a little bit more organized build and release process for libuv itself, uh rather than just being tied to nodes release. Schedule, um, but yeah, I, I think uh, I think we'll be there soon. I don't know how much time ought to be spent, or, or from who. I mean, it's all open source, so it's kind of hard to plan that sort of thing ahead of time. Does that answer your question, or did I just, or at least, successfully dodge it? Successfully <laughs> dodge, yeah. <don't,
0: laughs> well, it's, 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 it sounds like 1.0 is basically waiting on LibUV to be a as note. Right. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's also waiting on. There are we have kind of identified a few things that we would like to get done in Node itself as well. Um, I, I sort of dodged your question, Michael, about zero point eleven, but like zero point eleven will be cleaning up HTTP. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't we don't really have any other features, I don't think, on the on the the roadmap um, at least for core. Okay. And-
0: okay
1: matter of like focusing on our, our auxiliary stuff, our CI system, the NPM website, like you know making binary modules like better, that kind of thing.
0: All right, well um I think that wraps it up for what's going on with core. Um we're we're nearing the end of our time now. Um to talk about a few conferences and upcoming events. Um, we don't have very many uh, right now. Not a lot of people have announced or the ones that have announced have sold out. So um, if you have an upcoming local meetup or Node conference that, that you think is uh, really cool happening in your area, t- go ahead and tell us about it and we'll make sure to put it on the on the list. Um, February uh, 21st through 27th is ThaiJS, a six-day working retreat in Thailand for JavaScript. This is going to have some awesome people at it. Basically, you, you sit down in a room and you just get to you know work and code with people and then you you know get thai massages and amazing food and you know you get to kind of see thailand and it moves around a few different places in thailand it's a really really cool idea for a conference all of your expenses and everything are paid all you have to do is get to thailand and then buy yourself a ticket um and then nothing until this summer uh node Conf, the node conference the fucking conference So come. Uh, (laughs) It's uh, happening in California this year. There'll be buses from San Francisco. So if you're coming in from out of town or out of the country, you need to get into San Francisco and then we'll bus you up to Walker Creek Ranch with everybody else. It's going to be June 27th through the 30th. Um, Camp counselors uh, helping out, giving content, Teaching you Node, uh, me, Shaw, Isaac, Substack, Dominic Tarr, Emily Rose, Rick Waldron, Forrest Norvell, Dominic Denicola, Max Ogden. Yeah, You can check out the website for tons more details, nodecomp.com. And uh, it's time for plugs now. Okay, so first, uh, shameless self-promotion on my part. Uh, my new website is up, futurealoof.com, which is, uh, you can see writings by me and also all these videos that we were talking about. So tiny little bite-sized videos are all at the bottom. Uh, nodeconf.com, again, go, please. Uh <laughs> And uh, this one is not me, but is uh, Max Ogden's project, VoxelJS. If you're doing anything involved in front end and you want to look at awesome future technology, check out VoxelJS. Voxels are what... Are, uh, it's, it's a construct that you use basically to create sort of game worlds. Um, like Minecraft is entirely built on voxels and voxel math. So uh, this is in pure JavaScript using WebGL. And is really like re- already seems like a sort of better scriptable Minecraft. Um, there's already been some fucking really cool, amazing projects for it, including um, somebody ported the API for Node Copter to a virtual copter. So you can take your Node Copter core and now run it inside of the virtual voxel environment and see the copter run around, and it's really, really cool. Um, that's all from me. Disha,
2: Right on. Uh, so I was uh, chatting on the Twitters uh, with uh, Stanley Stewart, um, who you know, contributed to, to node up uh, on a couple of things, and um, he was looking for a way to sort of get his Node um, production experience up. And uh, one of the things we, we came upon was maybe a civic project in, in lines of, uh, you know, Code for america things. Um, so if you have any ideas for that, um, be really fun to, to provide an opportunity for people to get real hands-on production experience with a project. Um, any ideas? Uh, hit me up on the Twitters.
1: Isaac. Um. yeah I think I already plugged note a little bit so <laughs> that one, this, this episode one big plug yeah basically, I mean basically this whole podcast is plugs for stuff that I would like to plug so um, I would like to say a nice thing about the city of Oakland it is a gorgeous day here today it's sunny and the lake is sparkling and you should move here and ride your bike around and drink wonderful coffee it's February and it's wonderful outside it's like springtime if you live someplace where there's snow you don't need to do that come to california it's great
2: <laughs> fantastic
1: all right thanks please leave a review in itunes follow note up on the twitter and you'll know when we're live thanks guys
0: great to be back awesome Let's do it again <laughs> <laughs>